welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Life on the Frontline series. Great. Well, I, I, as I reflected uh, yesterday at the men's breakfast, the death of Queen Elizabeth is a seismic event in the life of our nation. Not only the death of a much-loved person, but also the end of an epoch, the, the end of the Second Elizabethan Age, nearly a hundred years of relative stability and actual good spiritual leadership in the UK. And we have a new king, of course. Now, we'll pray for Charles III for that same depth of faith uh, to the, uh, that so characterised his mother's devoted service. We not only have a new king, but we also have a new prime minister only two days into the job uh, and a new cabinet. We also have a a new police commissioner in London. And uh, so give thought to them. Only a couple of days into the job, they now have to manage the largest security operation of recent decades as dignitaries and people fly in from all over the world this coming weekend. I pray for them, because that's a big job. (laughs) These are extraordinary times, aren't they, that we live in. With the backdrop of war in Ukraine, we've got the energy crisis, COVID is still with us, the environmental challenges happening all around us. So it is all too easy, in some senses, for people to become anxious about the future and wonder what is going to happen next. But Jesus taught us not to worry about the future. Even if the world convulses with what he called the birth pains or the last days, we are not to fear. He warned us uh, that there may be seasons of discord when we're crying out to God for deliverance, like so many struggling to put food on the table or those living in Ukraine today uh, crying out to God after 200 days of conflict. Those fearful of the future, but asking the question, how long, O Lord, how long will it be before you deliver us? Have you ever cried out in a situation that has affected you, oh Lord, how long till you deliver me? Well, this week's Bible passage from Jeremiah speaks into these situations. And uh, we're continuing our sermon series today, Life on the Front Line. We're asking what happens when our front lines actually turn out to be really challenging. Remember, your front line is the place where God has placed you, where you meet people who don't know Jesus yet, that spiritual battleground where we seek to live a godly life, we seek to live out our God-given purpose and bring the Lord's love to those around us. That is our purpose. And last week, we began the series by looking at the Great Commission, how we're called to make disciples as we go about our everyday lives. Wherever we find ourselves in contact with people who don't know Jesus yet, and these these places where we meet people are our spiritual front lines, where God wants us to make the most of every opportunity. He wants us to share some faith, hope, and love with the people that we meet. And when he gave his disciples the Great Commission, which is go and make disciples of all nations, that that famous phrase, 
He didn't summon them to meet him in Jerusalem. In other words, that, not in that place of power and influence. But instead, he went to them. He went to Galilee. He went to their home neighborhood. And he wanted them to start on their own doorsteps. And we saw how, despite some of the disciples struggling with doubts and questions, Jesus didn't turn them away or rebuke them. He commissioned them too. And through their faithful witness, we in turn are receiving that commission again today. So we're going to look a little bit more closely at what that really means this week. What happens when our front lines actually turn out to be challenging? When we feel like we just uh, feel out of place or we want to retreat, perhaps the weight of the world's problems can seem to press down on us and we think oh how long oh lord before you can deliver me perhaps you find you're not really uh, thriving in your workplace maybe you're finding that a drudge and you're thinking how long oh lord do i need to put up with this perhaps you've got a health condition and you're thinking how long oh lord how long and the great temptation for Christians like you and me is to gradually withdraw and isolate ourselves to our comfort zones and ghettos. And as a church minister, I'm really conscious of that for myself because I can easily spend all my time with church people. It becomes a nightmare. You start speaking in a church voice and uh, not relating. And you say, it's all part of life's tapestry. It's phrases like that terrible but the real front line the place where God wants us is outside the church with people who need the love of the Lord Jesus in their lives the trouble is the world can feel quite an unwelcoming place at times can't it particularly when social attitudes are changing and the Christian worldview may be viewed with some condescension or even mistrust and many of the current Christian books that I read on retreat uh, just in the last few months dealt in some way with navigating this current cultural climate as a Christian. And uh, actually, I'm sure that some of the, the, the recent attraction for studying some of the early Celtic saints and how they managed it, were people like St. Cuthbert and St. Aidan that I studied for a, a while on, on sabbatical, was that they spent lots of time on retreat. And uh, they took themselves off into far places. They went on mission, but they went on retreat. Perhaps that is something of wisdom in that for us, that we need to find those places where we recharge ourselves, but then we go out again to our front lines and we spend our time in our front lines. But often we're tempted to think, if only this or that was different about my life, then I could be a really good Christian. I could be much more productive in faith. Mission would be easier. Everything would surely be hunky-dory. Maybe you've looked at your own family and you've thought, oh, if only they were a bit different. <laughs> It'd be much easier for me to be a Christian if they didn't wind me up so much. Or perhaps it's the church. If only the church was a bit more dynamic or took some more initiative or was a bit more relevant or warmer or whatever it was. I'd be, it'd be easier for me to be a Christian. If these things would change, then 
perhaps I could be different more easily. If only, if only, if only I could live at another time in history, wouldn't it be simpler if I could live at the time without the internet or without all the hassle of the stressful, fast-paced pace of life that we have to deal with? If only. But what do you do if your hopes of if only aren't answered? If the prayers for a different way of life are not granted here and now, what happens then? How do we cope? Do we chuck it all in and say, well, God can't be listening to me or he doesn't exist. My prayers aren't getting through. Well, today's passage from Jeremiah is a call to hang in there and that trust and trust that God does have a wonderful plan for your life. Even if things right now are not turning out quite the way you expected. You know, I was a bit shocked to discover that I have never preached on this passage uh, in nine years at Locking Castle Church. Because it's a very famous passage, really, with a particularly famous verse in it. So I guess perhaps there is a special message for both you and for me today within these words. The Lord has given me this passage from my last official preach at Locking Castle Church. So I guess that must mean there's something special for him to say to you today as well. Verse 4 says this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah wrote a letter to all the Jewish exiles who'd been forcibly evicted from their homes in Judah when Nebuchadnezzar came in and crushed Jerusalem in 607 BC. They were completely heartbroken. They were gutted. They, were, they just felt oppressed. And yet notice it says that it was God who carried them into exile. God was setting up bigger plans, even though that moment was so painful. Just remember, though, that Daniel and his three friends were among those who were kidnapped. We have studied Daniel here, so I'd let myself off a little bit. And his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were amongst those that were taken as youth, as young people, to Babylon. And just remember what happened in the long term. Daniel and his friends rose to be people of great influence in Babylon. And actually, through their faithfulness, the Lord showed himself to a great multitude. In fact, we read that King Darius came to faith in the Lord after the lion's den incident. We realize that it's Daniel's king, Daniel's God, is the one we are to worship now in Babylon. Praise God for that. So over the long term, God as it says in Romans 8, 28, perhaps one of my favorite verses, my father's favorite verse as well. Romans 8, 28 says, God brings everything together for good for those that love him. Even if on a national scale, when everything seems to be a struggle or people are lacking faith or the future looks challenging, on a personal level, there is always hope for us. There is always the offer of salvation and redemption 
through God's grace, despite whatever circumstances we face. Because of Jesus Christ, because he came, because he lived, because he died, because he rose again, we can receive forgiveness and our prayers are heard. He can enter into our situation, tough as it may be, and reassure us of his presence and his favour. As we head into a cost of living crisis, as we head into a new era of new leadership in our world, just remember Jesus' words to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I don't know if you're feeling weak today or perhaps facing the future with a bit of trepidation. Well, the grace of the Lord Jesus is enough for you. And he loves you enough to pour it out with abundance on you if you'll ask him today. Now, the exiles who received Jeremiah's letter really would have wanted to hear some rousing resistance narrative. And in, instead, Jeremiah's message seems to be completely counterintuitive. Instead of prophesying that God would soon come and rescue his people and remove them from their situation and bring about a new, like, exodus, like they'd heard about in the past, instead, he tells them, bring, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and daughters and your, give them in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. In other words... Get used to it, folks. Get used to it. This exile could last a long time. And for the Jewish people, it would be 70 years, beyond a whole lifetime, in fact. And now for a people whose identity was wrapped up in their national pride, that was a bitter pill to swallow. And they would have ra much rather heard what other prophets wanted to say just a few verses before we hear about the false prophet Hananiah and what did he prophesy it'll all be over soon we'll be able to escape and your enemies will all be defeated this will all be over within a few years actually instead within a couple of years Hananiah himself was dead sometimes we have to accept things about our life are not ideal but the message here in Jeremiah is this. Be fruitful where you are. Invest now whatever your circumstances. Keep plowing on until the Lord calls you otherwise. In other words, plant stuff, have weddings, multiply. And perhaps this is the prophetic word for Locking Castle Church today. The time to grow and keep multiplying isn't some perfect time in the future. It's now. It's now. As we face a tough season ahead, will we have enough money to keep growing as a church? Nah. But the Lord will provide. It'll always, it's never, it, we don't have a, f uh, we're never flush in this church. We don't always have enough people to manage everything we want to do. But I look back over nine years, the Lord's always provided every week. 
One of the things I prayed as I came into this church was, oh Lord, I pray that every week there would be a worship leader to help me because I can't play the wretched guitar. <laughs> and has he provided every week? He has abundantly and it's abundant. It's wonderful today. I remember one time, the only week where actually we did have no worship leader lined in and, and two minutes before the service started, Andrew Williams walked into this place and Phil asked him, oh, could you leave worship? And he said, yes, with two minutes warning. And I was like, that was close, Lord. <laughs> that was close. I nearly had a go. But nevertheless, he's been faithful every time. He might be last minute Lord sometimes, but he is faithful and he will get you through. In retrospect, the Lord brings everything together for good. When we look forward, we might feel a little bit of trepidation. But if experience tells me anything, is that God always provides, and he always will. You can trust him. If we persevere, the fruit will come. Galatians 6 verse 9 says this, let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And at a time of national mourning, at the dawn of this new era, we need to lift our eyes to God's faithfulness. We need to have that eternal perspective that Jeremiah wrote about in verse 11. And this is not a quick fix. This verse has often been preached as though you'll get what you want with an instant result. But this is to give us a long-term perspective because God is eternally faithful. And he says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. What a wonderful promise. Seek the Lord. Keep planting, keep growing, keep multiplying. Pray for the prosperity of this town. Pray for the spiritual prosperity of this town. That actually this would be a town in which the Lord takes delight where the name of the Lord Jesus is honoured and lifted up. He has great plans for that. Now, we may not get a quick fix to our difficult circumstances or what we're facing as a nation, but with God, all things are possible because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to give thanks to him and receive his grace again. Shall we stand? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.